welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Hello and welcome to episode 274 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited that you're here. Today, we are talking about stress eating and specifically what we're talking about is how to identify common triggers, common drivers of eating that feels really out of control, where you can actually make changes, simple changes, so that your eating starts to feel more in control. This episode is based on the common triggers I see show up over and over and over again in the physicians I coach inside Thrive Academy for Physicians. They're the ones that show up in my life too that I kind of always just have to be aware of. And so these are really powerful when you start to understand them and understanding them can actually make your weight journey so much easier because you can stop fighting food and you can start really making changes at the real foundational level. And those changes last longer than when you just successfully don't eat it something because you managed to find enough willpower to not do it. And let's be honest, struggling with your eating as a physician is really, really tough. It can make you want to pull out your hair. That idea that I know so much about health, why the hell do I keep heading through the drive-thru or why the heck do I keep grabbing the donuts when I know they are not healthy for me? They are not what I actually truly want to be fueling my body with. Why can't I stop? And you know what? This is a big question, and there are really good reasons why we struggle with this as physicians. And the reality is going to med school did not give us a pass on struggling with our own eating and weight issues, but I'm here to help. It doesn't have to feel this way. You shouldn't have to feel like managing your own health is a part-time job. There are easier paths. And so some different ways that you can get my help and get my support so that you spend less time obsessing about food, more time enjoying your life is number one, this podcast. As I mentioned in the last episode, I just celebrated the fifth anniversary of this podcast. There are so many episodes. There are episodes for pretty much anything that you are struggling with, with your eating. Even going back and re-listening to the ones you've already listened to can be really helpful. You'll take away different things. Number two, my evening eating free video training. So this is the video training that goes through why is it that we struggle with our eating, particularly in the evenings and how can you create change as a physician. And so head over to eveningeating.com if you want to get access to that. If you, That's eveningeating.com so that you can access the free video training for evening eating. The third way you can get support from me is the free Thriving as a Physician Facebook group. If you are a physician, head over to Facebook, search for Thriving as a Physician and request access. Come join us. 
It just gives you another touch point to get access to me. You can ask me questions over there. You get extra tips from me. There's extra live recordings with different topics. It's just another helpful resource for you on your journey to find more peace with food and enjoy your life more while reaching your weight loss goals. And then when you are ready to really make the permanent change, when you're like, I am ready to stop struggling with this. I don't want figuring out my weight in quotations and eating healthy on my to-do list anymore. When you are ready to really commit and make the changes so that it lasts, then head over to starttothrive.ca and learn about Thrive Academy for Physicians, my physician-only coaching program, which is really powerful. Six months in this program will take you from feeling out of control feeling defeated, upset at yourself about your eating and weight, to feeling confident, being able to navigate food situations without even being bothered, to becoming that person that can manage their weight without always thinking about food. Because that's what we all want, right? You want to be able to do this. You want to be able to stay healthy. You want to feel really good in your days, but you also don't want to always feel like you're on a diet and always have to be thinking about what you should or shouldn't eat. I teach you how to do that inside Thrive Academy for physicians so you never need another diet again. That's why it's so powerful. That's starttothrive.ca if you want to learn more about that and submitted a no obligation application. All right, lots of resources for you. I wanted to put those all out there because I haven't summarized them all in one place for a while. But if you want help, I'm here. Check out those resources. If you have more questions, send me an email, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Okay, let's talk about eating triggers, stress eating triggers. And I've got to tell you, when I learned the concept of uh, stress eating triggers, it really changed my eating. I thought that the trigger happened right before my eating. Well, actually, originally, what I thought was my eating was a me and food issue. (laughs) There's something broken in my brain about how it approached food. Because I looked around me and I saw other people easily navigating food environments. And I couldn't. I saw people would be at a party and there's a bowl of chips and people would have a few and keep talking. And I would have to actively work not to be the one that finished that bowl of chips. I thought there was something wrong with me. When I kept hitting the drive-thru, I thought it was a me issue. Something was defective in me. And I'm sharing that because I know a lot of you feel the same way. And it might be something you've never told anybody or admitted to yourself, but it's not actually the case. There's nothing wrong with you and food. You are not broken. There are reasons why this happens. And that's what we're talking about today. So first, I thought it was a me and food issue. I was just purely broken. Then I thought, okay, there's got to be something happening right before I eat. And that's, if you look at a lot of the work that's done around emotional eating, that's publicly available, a lot of it really focuses on that. Like, environmental triggers you drive by the sign for the fast food place and turn in because that's the trigger or you watch a video or or, sorry not a video you watch an ad on tv or hear an ad on the radio and that is what ultimately triggers you I think those play a role for sure and our environment is hugely hugely food focused and really can be additional triggers and if you ever want a fun activity this is fun for me, is uh, as you drive to work, count how many times you are cued about food. How many food-related signs do you see? How many food messages do you hear if you're listening to the radio? How many food smells do you have? It's actually a lot that we're exposed to. 
However, we can't change those, right? And I don't actually think they're the biggest drivers of eating, not for physicians. There's other things that are driving our eating. And then yes, maybe if you're in a vulnerable position because of these other things, and you also happen to have a bunch of external food cues going on, they may be playing a role. But the things I'm going to talk to you about today are the more important triggers and the ones that you actually have control over. Because what's the point of getting stressed about the things we don't have control over? We don't have control over how food-focused our world is. We do not have control over how obesogenic the North American diet, as it's portrayed to us, is. But we do have control over some of these other things, and that's where we're going to focus today. So what I learned in my own journey and what I work on with the physicians inside my program is that the triggers that drive the eating probably are actually happening a lot earlier than what we think. That probably we are being queued up to eat throughout the course of the day. Sometimes it's actually happened even earlier, maybe yesterday, maybe the day before something happened that's kind of set this path in motion that ultimately ends up with you hitting the drive through reaching for the donuts, telling yourself you don't care about your goals and you'll figure it out tomorrow. All of those things that we classically do. When I realized that these triggers could be happening so much before the eating and when I figured out how to start addressing those triggers, That is when my eating truly changed. When I was just thinking it was a food issue with me, when I was just thinking a trigger must be happening right before I eat, that was not effective. It did not help me create change. And that's why I think this topic is so important. And the beauty of it and why I work on this with the physicians in my group so much is that when we start working on these true triggers, when the real drivers of the overeating, that urge to eat really truly fades away. So you can change your eating completely without ever trying not to eat. And I know if you've been sitting there and you've been struggling, that is true. It may not feel true. You may be like, I can't even see how that could happen, but it really does work that way. I was amazed in my own life when it started working like that. I was like, wait, I haven't hit the drive-thru for a few days. What happened? Or haven't like been snacking all night for a few days. What happened? Because it wasn't that I was trying not to eat. I was starting to actually figure out what was driving my eating. That's why I do this work. It felt so powerful and magical. That's why I decided to start coaching and doing this podcast to share these tools with more people. Okay, before we get into the actual triggers, let's talk about what stress eating is and just do some basic definitions, because I know for some of you, you might be like, "Ah, is this stress eating? I don't know. Am I stress eating? And honestly, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Definitions don't truly matter. I think when we think about it, if you have eating patterns that don't feel in control to you, probably it's an element of stress eating. It doesn't matter if you call it stress eating or emotional eating, or if there's another name for it that feels better, it's totally fine. If you have binge eating, binge eating, it does have specific definitions. And it's a little bit different in that it feels much more out of control. The amount that's eaten is usually much larger, often to the point of physically being uncomfortable. And then there's a lot of negative emotion that comes after it. But they're probably all on the same spectrum. So whether you identify stress eating, emotional eating, just feeling out of control at times, or binge eating, it's okay. This podcast episode will help you. All of these things are probably running under the surface and influencing your eating. So what's the cost of stress eating? Like, why do we care? And, you know, when I'm like surfing social media and stuff, there's so much things about intuitive eating that we really should just not tell ourselves we can't eat stuff and really 
just let our brains decide. And the problem with that is for some of us, our brains aren't good at actually listening to our bodies to be able to be intuitive. And our brains have slightly unhealthy attachments to food and what it can do. When we're looking to food to try to make us feel better in these different situations, our brain truly thinks the food is the answer. And that can start to blur when you're trying more intuitive type stuff, that if we leave the stress eating untreated, unmanaged, it starts to blur your ability to be able to eat intuitively. When you start to work on these triggers and start to really understand why does your brain look for food when it does, then you start to have more space to eat more intuitively or eat without always focusing on what you should or shouldn't be eating, which is another topic for another day. But I think the stress eating itself has pain attached to it. It has challenges attached to it, and it has health impacts attached to it. And the cost of unmanaged stress eating is frustration. Beating yourself up because of that frustration is, like I was talking about in my own story, assuming that something's wrong with you because of how you eat. The health impacts and the weight gain, meaning you can eat pretty healthy, but if you have a lot of uncontrolled eating happening, stress eating where you reach for pretty unhealthy foods, like my history has been of reaching for fast food or things like that, it can have health impacts, even though you may eat healthy other times. And then the other piece about not managing stress eating, leaving it just kind of on its own and not looking at it and getting curious about it, is that it undermines all the hard work you're putting in because you're probably putting a ton of work in to try to get yourself to eat healthy, to try to take care of your body, to try to feel your best. And because of the out of control eating, the stress eating, the emotional eating, that undermines it. So it feels like you're always putting work in and then sliding back down that hill, (laughs) trying to climb the hill and then you slide back down the hill. And tools like what I'm talking about today can help you see more progress because you are addressing the eating where it is actually coming from. You're not needing to use willpower. You are not needing to use restriction. You are starting to actually understand your brain and food so you can make interventions that work for you. All right. Let's start talking about the common triggers that I see over and over again and that are probably going on in your life. And you probably think that your eating is about the food, but most likely it is actually about triggers like this. Number one, time. We spend our lives as female physicians feeling like we do not have enough time, feeling like everything is boxed between tight little windows of time And we have to hurry and hustle and worrying that we're not going to get the work done or constantly telling ourselves that we haven't gotten enough done, that we're behind. And that is a huge trigger for eating. Huge. And mainly that one shows up often at night or maybe the 3 p.m. snacks in the office. But that spending your life feeling like you never have enough time is so uncomfortable that your brain will try to fix it with food. And chances are, if you're spending your days telling yourself you don't have enough time, feeling like you're always behind, you're probably also not taking time for self-care, which again, then your brain's like, well, I'm really uncomfortable and you're not doing anything about it. So here, I'm going to help. Let's have this food. It'll feel better. And it does. This is an important thing when you're working on your stress eating is it does work in the moment, briefly, for minutes, It just doesn't last. And the part of your brain that thinks it's going to work can't see that it doesn't last. So how do you deal with it? You're probably sitting there going, well, 
it's true. I don't have enough time. And you know what? We could have discussions about that and there probably is elements of truth to it. But the point of this is telling yourself you don't have enough time creates pain. You have the realities of your time and then we have, and those are challenging on their own right. But then when we add in always thinking, I don't have enough time. I'm so far behind. I'm never going to get this done. It adds extra stress. So where do you have control in here? You have control by removing those extra thoughts. Come up with different thoughts that work better for you about your time. You can also choose to change what you're doing in your day if you want to create more time. But I wouldn't just do that because we can create more time and still tell ourselves that we don't have enough time. Our brains are interesting in how they handle time. So we have to look at how do we talk to ourselves about time? Can we talk to ourselves differently? Probably have heard me talk about this on the podcast. This was one of my biggest triggers that was driving, telling myself I didn't have enough time. Ultimately, it was driving, like hitting fast food at lunch. And so what I learned to say to myself was everything that needs to get done, will get done because it's true. And if you look at that for yourself, it's probably very true. You have lots of evidence for it. Everything that needs to get done, will get done. That was one of my most powerful thought shifts from I'm so far behind. I don't have enough time to everything that needs to get done will get done and just feel the difference if you go through your day feeling like everything that needs to get done will get done picture how much impact that would have on your eating and your cravings number two scarcity this is one that comes up over and over and over again in coaching calls because it is so common for us as humans to have scarcity around really everything in our life but particularly with food And depending what you've grown up with, what your food environment was like growing up, you may have more scarcity than other people. I think how food is talked about, whether or not there was food scarcity, like true food scarcity growing up or food insecurity, it influences how we think about food as adults. So the scarcity can sound like I should eat this because I might get hungry if I don't. I need to make sure I get enough of this, maybe because it tastes good or again, maybe because you like so I don't get hungry down the road. I might not be able to eat for a while. Today's busy, so I need to make sure I eat now. That scarcity thinking of like there's not enough or something bad might happen if I don't eat, that really drives a lot of eating too. And it drives, you know, maybe extra snacking, but I think what it really drives too is overeating during a meal. That scarcity thinking of I need to make sure I get enough might pull you out of being able to listen to your body to hear when your body's saying, okay, we've probably had enough. That fear of maybe down the road, I won't be able to access food or I'll be hungry and I won't be able to get something again, pulls you out of your ability to actually listen to what your body's telling you about, have I had enough in this meal? Do I feel satisfied with what I've eaten? Scarcity is sneaky. I think this is one of those things that you may have more difficulties recognizing for yourself when it's coming up. And often when I point it out to the physicians I'm coaching, they're like, oh, I would never have seen that. But it's there. It runs under the line. So maybe a helpful tool for this one is if you're feeling out of control and you feel kind of like, oh, I should have some more, or you notice that you are eating beyond, you know, you're not really hungry, but you want to have more. Ask yourself, is there an element of scarcity? Am I telling myself I shouldn't have this? I'm not allowed to have this. I might not be able to have this ever again. This might disappear before I come back to it if I don't eat it all right now. All of those would be common ways of talking that create scarcity. So just be curious about it. Be like, is it possible there's some scarcity going on? And if there is, how can I speak to myself to make myself feel comfortable with food? 
to feel like there's no scarcity, to feel abundant with the food that's available? How can I calm myself down around food? Those would all be useful questions to ponder. Number three, tough love. Okay, we tell ourselves (laughs) that being tough is the way forward. You ate something you shouldn't have eaten. I'm going to make sure you know it so you never do it again, right? That's the idea or the concept behind how we talk to ourselves after we've eaten. So ate a bag of chips. Well, let's tell ourselves how horrible it was that we did it, how we never should have done it, how we've blown everything, how we're never going to be successful, how we always do it so that we never do it again. Where's the mismatch there? Does that way of talking work with anybody in your life? If you have teenagers, does that work with them? Does it work with our patients? Would we ever speak to patients that way? Oh, you started smoking again. Well, now you've really blown it. You always do this. Why do you always start smoking again? You know it's bad for you. Now it's going to be even harder for you to quit. Would we ever say that to patients? Would we ever think that that would get a positive, beneficial response from somebody? Never. So why do we think it helps us? I think just because we've done it for so long and it's been modeled so much. But guess what? Tough love, what does it do? After you've berated yourself about how big of a failure you are, what are you going to want to do? 100% you are going to want to go have another snack because you feel so shitty. It's the tough love drives more eating, which creates more opportunity for you to give yourself tough love. So this is common, and this comes from diet culture, right? That there's this concept of right or wrong eating, that we can be good or bad based on the food choices we have, based on what the scale is doing. It's all crap. doesn't matter. The way out of this one, if you're like, oh, this one's probably driving a fair bit of eating for me, you just have to realize, go through that exercise I just gave you. It'd be like, if I said this to other people, would I expect it to work? No, then why the heck do I expect it to work for me? It just doesn't. It's a thought error. And so you can just choose to be like, I don't speak to myself that way anymore because it doesn't work. You can just choose to shift away. Notice it and catch it and be like, yeah, we don't talk that way because it doesn't work. It doesn't even have to be because I think I deserve to speak to myself more nicely, which you absolutely do. But some people have a hard time buying into that. It can be, I don't do that because it doesn't work. It's not effective. What is more effective? Compassion and curiosity. I can see that I just ate blank. I wonder what was going on. What might have been behind that? That's all you have to do. Work on practicing that. Number four, no time to yourself. We've talked about this a little bit in the first trigger, but going through your days caring for absolutely everybody else instead of yourself, leaving you to get the dregs of your day when everybody else is in bed, but then really feeling like that time probably should be spent doing something like folding laundry so not actually doing anything that helps you feel better, it's not fair. <laughs> it is not fair to live your life that way. And because it feels so uncomfortable to not have your own needs met, your brain will try to meet them using food. It will turn to food and be like, we haven't had any time to ourselves. It was a busy day. Deserve a reward. Let's eat this. Which is totally fine, right? Like you can choose to have food rewards at the end of the day if you want. You are an adult, you are allowed to eat whatever you want, but you might not want to all the time. Plus, what you might notice if you start to really look at it is having that food doesn't actually feel like a reward. It feels like a reward in the moment, but it doesn't do anything to help you feel rewarded five or 10 minutes later. You don't feel better. So what do we do here? Well, this is a bit of a bigger topic because it means finding time for yourself, creating spaces. Now, the big thing is it doesn't have to be that you create hours of time for self-care. 
creating space for your own needs can be as simple as like five minutes during your office and being like, I'm just going to go take five minutes. I'm going to go pee, have some water, take some deep breaths, relax my shoulders before I keep going. I'm just going to take a five minute walk outside at lunch. I'm going to take a five minute break between dropping the kids off and heading to the office to just go sit down with a nice coffee and enjoy it. There's so many different things that you can do, but it's the giving yourself permission. And the thing here is really recognizing that the idea that we can care for everybody else without caring for ourselves is false. It's a made up construct and it doesn't work in the long term. It's what results in physicians having these really high achieving lives and feeling deeply unsatisfied by them and starting to dream about retirement, hoping it will be better. Don't do that to yourself. You deserve better now. Create space for yourself, even if it means saying no to something so that you have space to meet your own needs. You deserve it. And interestingly, this is actually what we'll be talking about next week on the podcast is talking about how physicians people pleasing that we do in our days impacts us and how to create better boundaries because it really does have an impact on your quality of life which then has an impact on your eating so coming back to summarize the top four places i would suggest you look first for looking at triggers for your eating is number one time how often are you telling yourself you don't have enough time number two scarcity How are you talking to yourself about the availability of food? And can you calm yourself down a little bit? Number three, tough love about eating. Let's just throw that out the freaking window and decide we don't do it anymore because it never, ever, ever, ever works. There is no benefit to being mean to yourself about things you've eaten. And number four, not enough time for yourself. Put your needs on your to-do list. They matter as much, if not more, than other people's needs and the other tasks that are on your to-do list. All right, start trying focusing in these places and notice how it can impact your eating without you trying not to eat. Those are the most powerful shifts you will ever find when you're working on eating healthy and managing your weight long term. We have to find places where small impacts like saying, I don't talk shit to myself about what I've eaten has big ripple effects, meaning my evening feels better. It doesn't trigger more eating for me. Tomorrow I feel more confident about the food I'm going to eat. And it creates these big impacts. Small effort, big impact is what we're working on and where we're trying to find places to intervene. All right, have a fantastic day, guys. Remember, if you want extra support, I listed a bunch of resources at the beginning, but one of the really powerful ones is heading over to eveningeating.com and signing up for the Evening Overeating for Physicians, Common Myths and Practical Solutions free video training that I have for you so that you can start feeling more in control of your eating in the evenings where you don't feel like food is controlling you during the evenings. And that free video training will tie in a lot to what we've talked about today. So it'll help you build on the skills we've already worked on. So really good idea to head over and sign up for that eveningeating.com. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.